And now we take you to Evangel Assembly of God in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Now, last Sunday, many of you know this, some of you don't know it. Last Sunday, just after church, at 12.39 p.m., my mom took her final breath on this earth, and she woke up in the arms of Jesus. The Bible says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, here's the deal. Last Sunday was Mother's Day. Don't you know that she made her mama happy when she met her at the pearly gates? And she stayed with us to celebrate Mother's Day. Now, she had been sick for a long time. Friday night, they moved her to the Big Ben Hospice House. Saturday morning, the doctors called Kathy and I bright and early, said, you need to get here. We don't think your mother's going to make it through today. So Kathy and I and dad and Carla spent most of Saturday at the hospice house, but mom was with us. And guess what? Saturday a week ago was her 89th birthday. Hallelujah. So she lived, she lived to be 89. And then early Sunday morning, Again, we call and, and dad says, well, she's still with us. And so we go over to Big Ben Hospice and we're there and it's about 1015. And dad looked at me, he says, I know that Terry's speaking today, but I know your mom would want you to be at church. And so Kathy and I came to church and while we were in the foyer after service talking to people, we got a call saying you better come quickly. And sometime between the time that we got in the car and started driving over there, and the time that we arrived, she was already in heaven. Now, dear ones, I'm so glad that we've got hope beyond this world. <laughs> I'm so glad that Dini Todd was prepared for eternity. You know, if people make heaven their home, they don't do it by accident. You go to heaven intentionally by serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm glad that my mom served the Lord Jesus Christ with all her heart, she endeavored to do the will of God. You know, when I was 15 years of age, my dad was a businessman. He was, he, he sold life insurance and he had interest in a local restaurant and some more business things. But God had been dealing with his heart about leaving the business world and launching forth into full-time ministry. So when I was 15, my dad became a full-time minister. And there were times that he was gone. I think the most he was gone was 17 days at a time. But how many of you know there are times that a, a 15-year-old boy, a 16-year-old boy, a 17-year-old boy needs his daddy, amen? And there are times that my mom was dad and mom for us. And many's the time that I would hear my, my dad and my mom in their bedroom praying. And I would hear them praying this prayer saying, Jesus, we want your will more than we want anything in this world. Jesus, take the whole world, but let us have you. Jesus, we want you. We'd rather have you than silver or gold. We believe it's your will to prosper us and to bless us. But Lord, when push comes to shove, we want you, Jesus, and we want to be in your will. I've heard my mom pray it many times, Lord, I will want to go where you want me to go. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to say what you want me to say, and I want to be what you want me to be. Dear ones, God loves it when you and I prepare to do his will. Because preparation is often the difference between success 
and failure. In fact, somebody once said that good fortune is where preparation meets opportunity. How many of you are football fans? Let me just see your hands. Last year, Florida State University lost a game to the University of North Carolina. Florida State was highly favored in the game. And in the last 30 seconds, the University of North Carolina kicked a long field goal and they beat the Seminoles. After the game, a number of the defensive players said, we didn't prepare like we should have prepared. We didn't give our all because we just assumed that we would beat the University of North Carolina. Now, they did have a number one draft choice in their quarterback, Mitch Trubisky, this past year. Well, Joshua chapter 5 tells us about some preparatory work that God wanted to do in the hearts and in the lives of the children of Israel before they conquered the promised land. I want you to look at verse 1 with me, please. Joshua chapter 5. So it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard, everybody say heard, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over that their heart melted, say their heart melted. And there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. In other words, they, their, their courage evaporated. They didn't have any more backbone to stand against the nation of Israel. And it all happened because they heard something. Everybody say, heard. Jesus said this, be careful what you hear. Paul says that faith comes by hearing. Romans 10 verse 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith will come into your life by hearing the right things. But hear me, doubt and fear and unbelief will come into your life by listening to the wrong voices. When they heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan River. Forty years earlier, the Lord had dried up the waters of the Red Sea and an entire nation passed over on dry land. But now God does the same thing with the Jordan River. The waters stand in a great heap and a million and a half people pass over on dry land. And when they hear that, their hearts begin to melt. Dear ones, we need to be careful what we hear. When Kathy and I first moved to Illinois to plant a church, I'm purposed that every other week I was going to meet with a local pastor or Christian leader and learn everything I could. And I had a long list of questions written out. And I, and I, I would offer to buy them lunch if they had spent some time with me and pour into my life. Well, I learned real quick that some of those pastors and some of those leaders were not people of faith. They were people of fear. In fact, I was worse off when I left them than I was when I got to them. Because every time I'd ask them a question, they were negative. They were complaining. They were seeing the glass half empty instead of half full. But I remember the day that I sat down and I drove an hour and a half down to Tinley Park. And I sat down with Pastor Rob Tents. Thompson of Midwest Christian Center and Pastor Thompson answered every question, but he poured into me the word of God. He wasn't giving me his opinion. He, he was giving, he says, this is what the word of God says. This is what the word of God says. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. It's important that we listen to the right people and the right sources. We listen to the right kind of music. Some of you wonder why you're depressed. It's because you're listening to somebody done me wrong songs all the time. 
gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Come on, you just need to say, no, no, no. Blessing and prosperity and healing and deliverance and favor crowns my life. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. God is at work in my life. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, if I have to say amen myself, I'll do it. Amen. Amen. Verse 2. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives for yourself and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. He says, listen, Joshua, before you conquer the land, I want every male to go through an operation. I want every soldier to have surgery. I want the flesh of every soldier's private area to be cut away. You say, what's that all about? Well, in Genesis chapter 17, circumcision is introduced to us because God told Abraham, he says, Abraham, I'm going to give you a sign. And Abraham got all excited. He says, I'm going to give you a sign. I'm going to give you a symbol of our covenant relationship. And and, and Abraham says, okay, God, that's great. What is it? And God says, it's called circumcision. And Abraham says, what's that? He says, well, Abraham, it involves the cutting away. Of your private area. And Abraham's far go, oh God. <laughs> I wasn't there. I don't really know, but I I just imagine Abraham was saying, God, could I rec- could you give me a sign on my arm, maybe? Maybe on my elbow. God says, No, this is a symbol, it's a representative of our covenant relationship now folks when verse 2 when the lord says i want you to make flint knives i want you to circumcise the sons of israel what has verse 1 told us verse 1 has said that the seven kings that that represent all the peoples that are in the canaan land that are in the promised land these seven kings are shaking in their boots they're afraid the time to strike was now i bet joshua was thinking oh god we don't can we get people let them have surgery after we take the promised land can we go take the promised land first and then go have surgery do we have to do it now lord they're afraid of us their hearts are melting but then joshua thought back to god's call on his life and He remembered that his obedience was key to success. And don't you ever forget that if you want to be blessed by the Most High God, you've got to obey the Word of God and the directives of the Holy Spirit. I'm sure he reflected back to Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 where God says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that thou mayest observe to do. Everybody say, observe to do that thou mayest observe to do all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So we begin reading in verse 3. So Joshua made flint knives for himself, and he circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt who were males, all the men of war had died in the wilderness on the way before they had come out of Egypt. 
For all the people who had come out had been circumcised. But all the people born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people who were men of war who came up out of Egypt were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord to whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers that he would give us. A land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 7. Then Joshua circumcised their sons whom he raised up in their place, for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. Dear ones, what is this all about? God did not want men in his army. God did not want men fighting for him who did not have a covenant relationship with the king of kings and with the Lord of lords. Because circumcision was all about, and they got garbled down through the years, and especially was garbled by the time that Jesus came and by the time the Apostle Paul came. But circumcision represented a covenant commitment to God. when, When a man was circumcised, he was actually saying, hey, I am committed to Jesus Christ, and I'm committed to a life of purity. Now, Deuteronomy 10, 16 gives us a little more insight. And I know this is sometimes hard to understand. It says, therefore, circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be stiff-necked no longer. That word stiff-necked means rebellious. Okay, now turn to somebody and say, he's preaching about you now. No, not really. God says, I want you to circumcise... Not just that outward sign of circumcision. He says it's really about what's going on in your heart. Circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be rebellious or stiff-necked no longer. And then in Deuteronomy 30, verse 6, it says, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart. Everybody say heart. The Lord your God will remove the foreskin from your heart and the heart of your descendants. Now why? To love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul that you may live now by the time the apostle Paul came along circumcision was simply a sign that hey I'm a son of Judah I'm a Jewish person and they had forgotten that it involved their hearts they had forgotten that God wanted a relationship but again if you'll look at Deuteronomy 30 verse 6 and the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart heart with all your soul that you may live god wanted a relationship of love forgiveness and celebration with every one of those soldiers and it's easy to read this and kind of not see that oh i think about the work god's done inside my heart and i'm just not so sure and the new testament has a lot to say about circumcision of heart and we're not going to look at all those verses this morning, but I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to boil this subject down and, and try to bring it home to where it really is, where the rubber meets the road. Circumcision of heart is about me giving my will over to God. Yes. Circumcision of heart is about me saying, Jesus, you can plow deeply. You can plow the furrows of the Holy Ghost and the Word of God deeply in my heart. And I'll be yours. I remember, I remember as a teenager when I started sensing that God was calling me to be a pastor and calling me to ministry. Folks, I did not want to do that. 
I had plans. I wanted to go into business. Had big plans. And I, this still small voice would whisper to me, I've called you into ministry. And man, I did not like it. And it took me several years before I was willing to say, okay, Jesus, I will obey your call on my life. Isaiah 119 says this, if you be willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. I remember in the fall of 1979, Kathy and I are living in Virginia Beach. I'm in graduate school and I'm working part time. She's teaching school and I'm also pastoring a small congregation on a part time basis. And usually the way my work, we had had two small children at that time. And the way that my life was, I didn't really have time to study for Sunday morning until Saturday. And Saturday mornings, Kathy would take the girls and they would leave the house and just give me some time just to press in and try to hear from God. And one Saturday morning, I was meditating on Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39, where the Apostle Paul says, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, folks, I've been to Bible college I studied the love of God. I preached on the love of God. But as I began to read that and meditate on it, and that just simply means I would close my eyes and I would speak it again and again. I, suddenly I heard the Holy Ghost saying, God loves you, Terrell. God loves you. He accepts you. He forgives you. God Almighty loves you. It was like I could hear him say, God. God Almighty's got your picture on his refrigerator. God Almighty's got your picture on his mantle and in his wallet. God Almighty is proud of you. He's not mad at you. Now the reason that was important for me is because when I was growing up, I didn't hear much preaching on the grace of God. I heard sermons called sinners in the hands of an angry God. Man, I, I just knew that God was just waiting for me to do something wrong so he could get me. Heard the Holy Ghost saying that day, I'm in our little townhouse and I'm reading Romans 8 verses 38 through 39 and I hear the Holy Ghost saying, God loves you. God loves you. And I begin to speak it aloud with my own lips. God loves me. And before I knew it, I was standing up saying, God loves me. He accepts me. He forgives me. He's celebrating me. He's not upset with me. He's not mad at me. He's mad about me. Almighty loves me today. And I'm, by this time, I'm walking around that little townhouse. It wasn't very big, but man, I made a trail in every room. And now I'm just preaching to myself. And I'm saying, God Almighty loves me. He loves me. He loves me. Would you like to know what I preached about the next day? I preached about the love of God. Hallelujah. Monday morning, I went into work. I started telling people, I don't know about you, but God loves me. I don't know about you, but he's got my picture on his refrigerator. I don't know about anybody else, but God loves me. And God is happy with me. And God's not finding fault with me. And there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Almighty loves me. I mean, this revelation just in the Holy Ghost. See, I didn't know then that Romans chapter 5 tells us 
that the Holy Spirit sheds the love of God abroad in your heart. You say, why does that bald-headed preacher always saying you need to get baptized in the Holy Ghost? You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost because you need the love of God shed abroad in your heart. Hallelujah. This world's got too many ups and downs. You'll run into too many obstacles. There's too much heartache. There are too many problems. There's too much opposition. You need to know that you know that you know that God loves you. Folks, it absolutely changed my life. It absolutely changed my relationships. Folks, when I realized that God loved me, it improved my own self-image. Now, previously, I would have argued with you about it, and I could have debated it, and I knew the scriptures, but now I I had the author of the scriptures speaking to my heart now. I'm going to tell you, it made me a better husband. Wives, are you praying that your husband would be a better husband? Pray that he'll get a revelation of God's love, acceptance, and forgiveness for him. It made me a better father. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, talking about circumcision, the Apostle Paul, and again, I just don't don't have time today to to go through all the scriptures, but the Apostle Paul, and you can go back and read this. You can read his letters to the Galatians, to the Ephesians, to the Colossians, and even to Titus, because he straightens out their thinking about circumcision. Folks, you can be physically circumcised, but not have a circumcised heart. Say that again. A person can be circumcised physically, but not have a circumcised heart. You can bear in your body the symbol of your relationship with God, but not really have that relationship on fire. And it had gotten so bad... By the time that Jesus came, that people thought, oh, we've got it together because we've got the mark of a relationship. Well, I thank God for water baptism. It is a sign, an outward sign of an inward work. You know, I I thank God that you submitted. You said, I want to follow Jesus in all righteousness. Hey, Peggy, good to see you this morning. You said, I want to follow Jesus in all righteousness. Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We need to be baptized in water. But water baptism doesn't save us. It is a sign. It's a testimony to the world. Hey, I belong to Jesus. It's a testimony to other people. Hey, I'm identifying with the life and the death and the resurrection of Christ. I'm going under that water. That, that water is, a, and I'm, it's, it, it symbolizes a watery grave. But Jesus didn't stay in the grave, did he? He came out. Hallelujah. And I noticed that when Pastor Trent took you down, he didn't leave you under there did he he brought you out amen glory to god but did you know and this is not true here but did you know did you know there's some places where they will baptize you in water whether you've had a relationship with jesus or not they've got the form they've got the sign they're doing the, the stuff they've just forgot the formula 
They forgot that it's representative of a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Stephen was preaching to Saul of Tarsus before he got saved. He was preaching to the Sanhedrin. And we read these words, Acts 7, verse 51. Let's look at this. He said, you stiff-necked. Remember, stiff-necked means rebellious. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. Every one of these people were circumcised physically. But he says, you're stiff-necked, you're uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. That means that you and I just need to say, Jesus, I don't want to resist the Holy Spirit. Lord, I on purpose, I'm not going to resist the anointing. I'm not going to resist the still, small voice of the Spirit of God. And then Paul, Paul really, really boils it down where the rubber hits the road in Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. He says, for we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit. In other words, he says, the true circumcision, he says, is not about a cutting away of physical flesh. It's about a cutting away of areas in your heart where there's rebellion, cutting away of areas in your heart where you think you know better than God does. It's cutting away and it's yielding and it's submitting to the Lord Jesus Christ in every area of your heart. It's trusting in the Lord and not leaning on your own understanding standing but in all your ways acknowledging him and it shall be done he says the true circumcision number one worships god in the spirit in other words the true circumcision is going to say come holy spirit and help me worship jesus even better come spirit of god i'm going to worship in the spirit but he doesn't stop there he says they worship god in the spirit and then he says they rejoice in christ jesus hallelujah Glory to God. We rejoice in Jesus. He's the source, the force, and the course of the universe. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He is God become flesh. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy, what was the joy? Wasn't any thing joyful to me about going to the cross. But for the joy, the joy was fulfilling the will of God. The joy was looking through the, through, through the portals of eternity and seeing that one day you were going to get saved. The one day you and I were going to have a relationship with God that wasn't dependent upon the shed blood of bulls and goats, but that once and for all, he was going to shed his blood as the full payment for our sins, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and despised the shame. He de-esteemed the shame. He, 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 he did make a big deal of the shame. Last weekend, my mama died. I have my mama a whole lot longer than most people. But it hurts. It hurts. Now, I'm not going to ignore my emotions because I don't want to get stuck emotionally. That's what people do who, who don't, don't, don't allow grief to come to them but but neither am i going to (laughs) esteem i want you to catch this i'm not going to esteem that grief jesus 
endure the cross, but despise the shame. Dear ones, there are difficult times, there are difficult things that you and I go through. There are tests and trials, and there are difficulties. No temptation has overtaken you. No temptation, no trial, no test, no difficulty has overtaken you, except that which is common to man. That means other people go through, other people lose their mamas. Amen? And I can, I can major in the fact that my mama's in heaven and I'm going to see her again. Or I can just feel sorry for myself. <laughs> Who isn't on Winnie the Pooh? Eeyore. You can have the spirit of Eeyore about you if you want to. Or you can have a spirit of victory. We sorrow. Hey, you're, you're, you, I'm not saying I'm not going to sorrow. I'm not saying that our family's not in sorrow. But I'm saying we're not going to sorrow as those who have no hope. Hallelujah. Because we can't lose for winning. And the true circumcision are those who worship God in the spirit. Rejoice in Christ Jesus. Now, this is very, very important, this third part. I want you to catch this, write it down, and have no confidence in the flesh why did God want all of his soldiers in Joshua chapter 5 to be circumcised because he didn't want them to believe that it was by their power and their might that they were going to have conquest in the nation of Canaan it was because God was working for them and because God was filling their enemy with fear and because God was preparing a table before them in the presence of their enemies and because God was meeting their every need and because God was working on their behalf and because the battle is the Lord's and if God before us who can be against us are you seeing this put no confidence in the flesh okay I've only got a few minutes I'm going to land this plane are, are you with me so far because we've covered a lot of territory are you with me Isaiah chapter 14 and Ezekiel chapter 28. In fact, take your Bibles, turn to Ezekiel chapter 28. Because, because both those chapters, Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28, and we're looking at Ezekiel now. Ezekiel 28, they tell us that Lucifer, who is the devil, Lucifer was originally an archangel. He had a great anointing in his life. Lucifer led all of heaven in worship. But he began to traffic in the anointing. He began to make merchandise of the anointing in his life. He rebelled against God. And he and one third of the angels were cast out of heaven. Now, we're going to start reading at verse 11. Are you with me? Come on, are you with me? Are you tracking with me? Okay, verse 11. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You are the seal of perfection. You say, that's to the king of Tyre. How can that be about Lucifer? Well, it's, it's, it's the law of, of, of double reference. And I, I don't have time to teach that to you, but just take my word for it. It's talking about the king of Tyre, but it's really talking about Lucifer here. Thus says the Lord God, you are the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardius, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, emerald with gold. Now, now let me just pause there. 
Lucifer was covered with all these beautiful gems, all these beautiful stones, because his role, he was heaven's worship leader, and his role was to reflect the glory of God. The role of every worship leader, of every musician, of every singer on this platform is not to say, wow, aren't I good? The role is to reflect the glory of God because he's not going to share his glory with any of us. Okay, he's reflecting the glory of God. Now watch this. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes. Uh, Apparently, he had... Wind, how do you say it? Clarinets and flutes, what do you call those? Woodwind instruments on him. Apparently, he says, your timbrels and pipes. Apparently, he has some trumpets. Maybe some trombones. Maybe some French horns. He had some, these, these instruments on him that were giving glory to God. Now, watch this. Was prepared for you on the day you were created. Everybody say created. created. The devil is a created being. Some people think that there's God and there's a devil and they're in the boxing ring and the devil's beating up poor God and oh, we need to pray that the angels would, would help God and help him overcome the devil. Understand something. The devil had a beginning and he's going to have an end. His end is a lake of fire. He is created. God is without beginning and without end. In the beginning, God. Amen. If you if you if you if you'll underline that, it, it'll help you help you understand some things. You are the anointed cherub who covers. I establish you. You are on the holy mountain of God. You walk back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You are perfect in all your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. Isaiah fourteen tells us very clearly what that iniquity was. What was it? Come on, say it louder. It was pride. His heart got lifted up with pride. He says, I will be like the most high God. Okay. It was pride. Now, now, but how, see, here's the deal. There are a lot of people that get filled with pride because we think God is lucky to have us in the kingdom. Pride can come into my heart. Pride can come into your heart. God said, I want those soldiers to be circumcised because I don't want them to think that they're successful. I don't want pride to come in their hearts and then say, look what we did. I want them to know that they have no confidence in the flesh. But pride comes in. Here's the deal. Sometimes pride comes into a preacher and he falls. He falls, why? Because he has woman problems. He gets involved with some woman he's not married to, right? Now, you can't see the pride, but you can see the adultery. You can see the fruit of it. Or you hear the story about it. Or maybe he falls because he's stealing money. You know, when I was in Bible college, I was taught, you don't touch the gals, the gold, or the glory. The three Gs. I remember that was on a test I took. Good pastors don't touch. And listen to good laymen don't touch. Good believers, spirit-filled believing men and women, you don't touch the gold, the glory, or the gals. Amen? Amen. Or the guys, okay? I'm going to give you a test one day. Get ready for it. So we don't see the pride, but we see the fruit of it. We see the stealing the money. We see the 
adultery. We see this happening and that happening. I think there are a lot of, a lot of us that get filled with pride and we just don't go forward any, anymore with it. We end up repenting of it. And that's, that's really what God wants us to do. But look what, 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 what Lucifer did. Verse 15, the last sentence. Till iniquity is found in you. Verse 16. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within and you sinned. What in the world was he trading? I submit to you that he was trading the glory of God. He was trading the anointing. He was merchandising in the anointing. You say, prove that to me, pastor. Okay, stay with us. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. In other words, you had this self-attraction thing going on. You You were a legend in your own mind. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you out to the ground, and I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. Verse 18, now pay attention. You defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquity of your trading. Therefore, I brought fire from your midst. It devoured you, and I turned you to ashes. I'm going to stop right there. I want you to back up and say, he says, verse 18, by the iniquity of your trading. Verse 16, he says, by the abundance of your trading. I just want to suggest to you that Lucifer began trading in the anointing. Anointing. He began merchandising the anointing. He began using his position as heaven's choir master to manipulate and to have jurisdiction over lesser angels. Folks, I've been in church services where anointed men and women of God have ministers, sometimes pastors, sometimes evangelists, sometimes prophets. And I have seen, I know we took a second offering today, but it wasn't to manipulate anybody. It was because we want our young people to be able to go to California to represent us at this fine arts competition. And, and, if, and you, do, you weren't forced to give. But I've been in services where the offering has already been received. And suddenly there's a notable miracle. Maybe blind eyes have been opened. Maybe somebody comes out of a wheelchair who hasn't walked in months and months. But a demonstrable miracle takes place. And I've seen that man of God stop the service and say, I think we should receive an offering right now. He knows that emotions are high. He knows that people are exciting. He's manipulating and trading the anointing of the Holy Ghost. You've seen the television evangelist and you've seen, heard them on radio. Now, folks, I, I think that 90% of them are, are right on, good men and women of God, and I thank God for them. But there's some that are quick to say, if you'll send in your offering today for $1,000, we will pray a special miracle prayer for you. And I'm always wondering, well, what if somebody doesn't have $1,000? Can they not get in on the prayer? If you'll send in your gift of $2,000, I've got my anointed prayer cloth. If you'll put it under your pillow and sleep on it for 30 days. If you'll send a gift of $3,000, I've got some water from the River Jordan. 
I'm going to send it to you. And if you remember Naaman dipped in that water seven times. And if you'll just put seven drops on your head every night. (laughs) Folks, everybody look at me. Jesus does miracles. Jesus heals. He delivers. He sets free. But he never put a price on a healing. He never said, well, I'll come pray for your son and daughter, but it'll cost you $10,000. He never said, I'll pray for you. And folks, we just got to be real careful because we need to keep our hearts circumcised. We need to keep our heart right where we're not trying to traffic in the anointing. Because I'll tell you, the devil would like nothing more. Then to start using some of you for his, I mean, God would like nothing more to use you for his glory. And the devil wants nothing more than to blow your head up with it. And make you and I think, well, I deserve this. Folks, I've had people, when I was in Illinois, I had several people contact me and say, I've got a loved one, they're several hours away and they're going to die if they don't get a miracle. I'll give you $10,000 if you'll go. I said, I'll go, but I don't want you $10,000. Remember what Jesus told the 70 when he sent them out? He says, as you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils freely. I said, freely you've received. So freely give. I know there's some ministers Some pastors and some evangelists that are praying that God would give them some outstanding miracles. But it's not because they want to help people. It's because they want the notoriety that would come that God used them. Folks, this is what circumcision of heart is about. Circumcision of heart is about you and me being consecrated to God. See, folks, if we'll seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, there's nothing he's going to withhold from us. He says, no good thing will I withhold from those that walk uprightly before me. But I've seen men of God get afraid that they're not going to have enough money to pay their bills. They're not going to have enough to do this, that, and the other. And they don't mean to. They're not bad people. But something shifts in their heart. Where they're no longer trusting Jesus and now they're trusting in their schemes to manipulate. Oh, it could happen to anybody. It could happen to me. I don't stand up here as a paragon of virtue. I stand up here as a trophy of grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I could keep preaching, but I want you to stand to your feet all over the house. Just stand to your feet. On this Sunday, the 21st of May, in the year 2017, on this Sunday, the 21st of May, the year 2017, if you'd say, Pastor Terrell, I want to have a circumcised heart. I want the Lord To know not only that I trust him, but I want him to know that he can trust me. I want the Lord to know that he can trust me with his glory. That he can trust me with riches. That he can trust me 
See, there's some people that I'm convinced that they don't prosper because if they started prospering, they would walk away from Jesus. God wants you to be totally dependent upon him, but he wants you to be prosperous as well. He wants to bless you. If you say, Terrell, I want to be totally given over to the Lord. I consecrate my heart anew and afresh today. I'll go where he wants me to go. I'll do what he wants me to do. I'll say what he wants me to say. I'll be who he wants me to be. I'm just going to ask you to quickly leave your seat quickly, quickly all over this house. Just leave your seat and say, that's me, Terrell. I want everything that God's got for me and I want him to have all of me. I give him my whole life. I give him my mind, my will, my emotions, my body, my soul, my spirit, my past, my future. Lord Jesus, I give everything to you. Lord, I just consecrate my heart to you. And Lord, today I just receive your grace and I receive your love. And Lord, I receive your forgiveness. And today, Lord God, I receive, I receive your help. Lord, I'm asking you to do what only you can do. Oh, Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, there's some more of you that need to respond to this. You need to be a part of this. Today's a day of demarcation. Today, this 21st day of May, you're going to look back on this day and you're going to say, you know, God did some different things in my life. God started something new in my life. You just need to say, Jesus, I'm yours. I'm yours, no holds barred. I'm yours, Jesus. Come on now, begin to cry out to him. Tell him that. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm yours. I belong to you, Lord Jesus. God, I give you permission, Lord. I give you for circumcise my heart. Oh, God. Lord, I don't want to trust in my own flesh. God, I don't want to be guilty of leaning on my own understanding. God, I don't want to be guilty of trying to figure everything out. God, I don't want to be guilty of, 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 of trying, Lord, to, 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 to manipulate things and trying to control things. God, I don't want to be a control freak. And I don't want fear to run me around. But Lord Jesus, I want your grace and I want your love and I want your mercy and I want your compassion and your anointing Lord Jesus to steer my heart God I don't want to be stiff necked but God I want to have a heart that's fully yielded to you oh God come on saints come on come on come on cry out cry out cry out Jeremiah 33 3 Jeremiah 33 3 says call upon me and I'll answer thee and I'll show thee great and mighty things that thou knowest not oh Jesus oh Jesus We cry out. We cry out today, Lord. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.